Good morning again, everybody. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. And the title of the sermon is Jesus Blank. And that's not because I couldn't come up with anything. It's because you have some blanks to fill out. We're going to check at the end and grade you on the blanks. Actually, that would speak more towards the clarity of the preaching, wouldn't it? The hope today, the point of this, is that it's all about Jesus. It's not all about you. Sometimes when we read Scripture, we read Scripture with an eye on what we tend to love most in the flesh, which is us. I had a midweek thought a few weeks ago about David, if you remember. And how when we read the story of David, we like to identify with David. But the reality is, David is shown to point us to Christ. We want to be known as, I slew the giant by trusting in God and look at all that I've done. But the reality is, Christ slew the giant of sin and death on our behalf. And we're to be identified with the scaredy cat little warriors of the Israelites who stood by and waited for someone else to do the work for them. Well, today's text we want to look at, what does this show us about Christ? What marvelous truths are revealed to us through this text? So Mark 5, 21 to 43, we have a story in a story, a miracle in a miracle. And, and this could take us months to get through this section. In the spirit of Mark, who's the immediately man, he uses that word a lot of times. I'll try to do this in two weeks. We'll see, God willing. Well, what we're going to do, as I was reading this text, what struck me is this shows us some incredible truths of Christ that unpack so much more of Scripture for us. So my hope is that as we see them more clearly, we're able to enjoy those truths more fully and live in light of them so that we can bring glory to God. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him. Now, let's set the stage. Remember last week, Jeff preached. And Jeff, where was he coming from? The other side where he healed the demoniac, who had a legion or an army of demons inside him. He cast him into the pigs. They went off the cliff. The townspeople came out and they told Jesus, stay with us for a while, right? They told him to go. Do you want to know something? He never went back to that area. But he left a missionary. So he returned across a six-mile trip. And when he got there, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
So the Lord, we'll stop there. The Lord returns from the other side of the lake. And when he gets back, there's a crowd waiting for him, waiting for him because Jesus is the greatest show on earth. Jesus is healing. Jesus is, is, is doing all sorts of incredible things. And these people show up because they want some things from Jesus. These are actually the first followers of the prosperity gospel. They didn't want Christ. They wanted the benefits of Christ. They wanted health and wealth and prosperity. So Jesus comes across on the boat. He returns a six-mile trip. And as an aside, that would be an incredible boat ride to be on. Can you imagine? Those guys went across. They had the storm come on. Jesus said to the storm, shut up. And it stopped. They went across, he healed the demoniac, they got kicked out, then they're coming back, and they get in that boat, you know, they're like, oh boy, oh, I'll walk the long way, Jesus, I'll meet you on the other side. Well, they come across, and as far as we can tell from the text, it was uneventful. And they get there, and there's this crowd, probably 10,000 plus people, who are there because they want something from Jesus and not salvation. We got lepers and lame people and paralyzed people and sick people and all sorts of problems who are gathered by the lake. As soon as the boat hits and he gets off, if it was me, I would say, give me a break. What does Jesus say? Nothing. He gets off the boat. He doesn't say, get away from me. He doesn't hide. While he's there, a man named Jairus runs up. And I'd love to spend a whole lot of time on Jairus right now. But I'm going to wait for him for next week. A synagogue ruler comes to Jesus and, uh, well, let's just leave it. Let me, let, me, let me just leave that. So he runs up and he says, my little girl, she's at the point of death. She's going to die. Come and heal her. And Jesus says, listen, I'm really busy. I don't have time. Look at all these people, right? So you're supposed to follow in the text. That's not what it says. It says in verse 24, and he went with him. First, Jesus is blank. You see that one on your bulletin? Jesus is available and accessible. Do you understand how crazy what I just said is? Jesus is available and accessible. When you read the Old Testament after we get out of Eden, is God available and accessible? I will be gathered up on Mount Sinai. Bring your friends and climb up and join me for a potluck. What does he say when he comes to Sinai? Touch the mountain and die. Any Gentiles out there? (laughs) Throw your hands up, you're all Gentiles. If you were to go to the tabernacle, do you know how far in you'd be allowed in the tabernacle? You'd go up to the outer gate. What's going on in there? The guard would say, you're a Jew? No, you ain't going to find out. Well, what are they doing inside that tent in there? Well, are you a Levite? No, you ain't getting anywhere near there. Well, who's that guy going in that that inside place with those weird poles? Oh, now, are you a high priest? No, well, you can't come in. The temple, you all have a court at the temple, but you ain't coming all the way in. Jesus is God, and he's available and accessible. It's crazy. Now, now we take that for granted. Oh, Jesus is God. You remember the t-shirts, Jesus is my homeboy? If you got one, burn it. Because if you wear that shirt, I don't know that you want to meet him right now. Yeah, well, we'll talk about screwy faith. We all got it. But Jesus ain't your homeboy. Jesus is God. And God is available and accessible. And if that doesn't blow your mind, there's something wrong up top. God became available and accessible. He lived 
amongst people. He bumped into people. He talked and spoke and lived with and died for people. God, Jesus, is available and accessible, and that is the best news you'll ever hear. But we're not done yet. I guess we're only going downhill. Jesus is powerful because he's God. But he's also compassionate. Jesus could join a strongman competition. You ever watch those on ESPN? you got to check these things out. <laughs> Magnus von Magnussen. Ooh! Oh, let's see. oh, it's great stuff. What am I doing? It's the strongest men in the world who lift heavy stuff. Jesus could show up, and he would dominate that thing. Do you know that? Jesus could go to the NFL Combine. Whoo, number one draft pick. He is beyond strong. But if Jesus just came to tell us he's strong, but Jesus also came to say that he loved us. All of his miracles, all of the signs and wonders are not to show us how strong he is. He could, he could have showed up to the disciples. Hey, guys, check this out. Cow. You just made a cow out of nothing. Yeah, I'm God. He could have flown up, done a flip, split a plant. He, his signs and wonders show us that he's God, but also show us that God is available and accessible out of his compassionate love. You tracking with me? Power, love, available, accessible. This is crazy talk we're talking now. God loves sinners and made himself available and accessible so that someone like Jairus could come to him and say, help, and he went with him. Do you see that? It goes on. So Jairus comes to Jesus. He doesn't fully understand who he is, but he will. He will understand that by his availability and accessibility, Jesus came, track with me here, to save us from God, by God, to God, and for God. You're like, huh? One more time. From God, from the wrath of God, by God, the death of his son, to God, to live in a relationship with God, for God, because God desires to live with us for eternity. Available, accessible, God. Why don't we just stop there? We run into this woman. Hmm. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Jairus has a little girl who's 12 that's about to die. The woman has a 12-year-old disease. Jairus is a ruler. The woman is an outcast. Remember the Magnificat of Mary? Jesus will humble those who are highly exalted and exalt those who are not. I'm paraphrasing it. Look at what he's done. He is taking a man of high standing and humbling him and exalting an outcast lady. So this woman shows up. She's been bleeding for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians. Interestingly, read Luke's account. Luke doesn't say that. Luke says there was no cure for the disease. Do you know why? Well, I'll speculate. Luke was a doctor. Mark wasn't a doctor. He says, the doctors made her worse and took all her money. We have better doctors today. We'll talk about that in a minute. So she grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. So we got a lady. We got Jay Iris. We got a, an EMT crew trucking down the street in this massive crowd. So they're not running. If you've got a bunch of lame lepers and sick people and dying people and paralytics around you, it's like this. So we're going to save a, a dying little girl. 
You know, you know Peter's like, trying to clear a path, but they're moving slow. And this lady walks up, she sneaks up, she touches Jesus. This poor lady, 12 years, 12 years ago, where were you? Don't answer out loud, that'll take us all day. That's a long time. 12 years ago, our house was a lot smaller and quieter. The food bill was a lot lower. 12 years is a long time. This lady was sick. She was a woman of means. Why do I say that? Because she had money to hire doctors. And they took all her money. She was a woman who was hopeless and helpless. She had a bleeding disease, and that means she was outcast. She couldn't touch her husband and kids without making them ceremonially unclean. Hmm. She couldn't gather for corporate worship. She couldn't come into the temple or the synagogue. She was unclean. This was a woman who was marginalized, outcast, lonely, from her family, from her community, in poverty, in pain, in sickness. It's bad. You tracking with me here? And she sneaks up beside Jesus. There's no cure. Until the the 1800s, pathology, disease were not understood at all. Do you know what the, the cures recommended for this bleeding ailment she had? Ostrich egg ashes in a pouch of linen or cotton around your neck. Or you can get a a carry, carry a barley corn found in donkey dung. Yeah, this is what this lady had. She was hopeless. So she came up to Jesus and she touched his garment. What's it say in verse 28? If I touch his garment, I'll be made well. And then what happened? Is that true, first of all? If you touch Jesus, are you healed? Well, immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she'd been healed of her disease. What just happened? We need to get objects. What do they call those objects? My brain has just shut down. The, uh, you know, like a piece of the wood from the cross or a garment that Jesus wore. Relics. We need to get relics, bring them back and touch them and we'll all be healed and happy. No. What's going on? Well, Jesus, second one, saves by grace through, emphasis, faith. She touched Jesus' garment and she was healed. That, my friends, is weak, screwy, superstitious faith. But it will turn into saving faith. Watch this. I'll tell you a story. Three guys out hunting in the woods. They're looking for a bear. So they got their rifles, walking through the woods. They're after a bear. They get down behind these beautiful ferns. They're waiting for the bear. All of a sudden they hear, The bear got them. They chuck the rifles. They run, they run, they run. You say, why did they chuck the rifles? It's my illustration. Bear with me. They chuck the rifles. They run. They get to a cliff. 20 feet down. It's a frozen pond. The first man says... If I jump, I'm going to die. The second man says, it's 50-50, I'll try it. The third man says, the ice will hold. And they all jump together. They all land on the ice and live. And the bear doesn't jump. Question. Who's more saved? Weak faith, middle faith, strong faith. Who's more saved? Ephesians 2, verse 8. You're what? By grace you have been saved, next word? Through 
I think we read that we're saved by grace, by faith. The size of your faith, my friends, the size of your faith doesn't matter. The object of your faith matters. And Jesus saves by grace through, through faith. Faith is a gift of God, not of your own, so that no one can boast. So if you have faith, even if it's, I'm going to die, if you jump, you have faith. And faith saves. Sometimes we think, I want strong faith like so-and-so. You know how you get strong faith? Don't focus on the strength of your faith. Focus on the object of your faith. The world says, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters that you believe it with your whole heart. The Lord Jesus says, it doesn't matter how much of your heart you believe it with. What matters is what you believe or trust in. Do you see that? Peter had bad faith, but a strong Savior. This woman had screwy faith, but she had faith in Jesus. Your faith, my friends, is a gift of God. And if you have it, praise God. But it's not the the size of your faith that matters. It's the focus of your faith, which must be Jesus Christ. Don't stop there and be like, so I don't need to have good theology. It doesn't matter. No. This lady didn't stay there, and she didn't have this. She couldn't even go to the temple to be taught. So don't come in and tell me, Pastor, I got some crazy faith, but it's in Jesus. We'll talk. Because you're not going to come bringing relics and try rubbing them on me, okay? You can bring a relic, and I'll talk to you about why no relics. But it's not the strength of your faith. It's the object of your faith. So she touches Jesus. And the second one is Jesus saves by grace through faith. Don't miss the through. He's available. He's accessible. He saves by grace through faith. You're going to remember that word through before we leave here. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out. Crazy, crazy verse. Jesus perceived power had gone out. 10,000 people all around Jesus bumping into him. Right? What is that? They're bumping into him. He's trying to show he's moving around. He's not doing a Victor Cruz dance. They're bumping into him. Why didn't the power go into anybody else but this lady? Because it came, how did it come? Through faith. You can spend decades bumping into Jesus, my friends, and never have the power of Christ at work in you. You know that? God, God willing... We will never have people that can sit here for decades that bump into Jesus without feeling the power of Jesus. Okay? The power flows through... Stop last time. Through faith. The object matters. Well, this lady snuck up behind. She's ceremonially unclean. She just touched Jesus. Do you know what that makes Jesus? What did he just become? He already was. Unclean. So she's going to die, or he's going to die. Do you see that? This ceremonially unclean woman touched God. She should be smoked, but God would smite his own son. He's available, he's accessible, he's loving, he saves by grace through faith. This is crazy. She sneaks up, she touches him, power goes out. Immediately he turned about and said, who touched me? Not like that. He said, who touched me? Why? Who touched me? No. He knew who touched him, I believe. The disciples, I'm sure it was Peter leading it. What's wrong with you, dude? Look at all the people who touched you. If you don't believe God is gracious, the fact that Peter survived three years with him. What 
you mean? Who touched you? Who's touched my garments? His disciples said to him, you see, the whole crowd pressing around you, and you say, who touched me? I'd be like, dude, we were in the boat. We were with the demoniac. Y'all are driving me crazy. I don't want to spend forever with you. Whew, he's gracious. He says, you see, the whole crowd is touching you. You say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down at his feet. Now watch, this is getting crazy. Fear and trembling, she fell down at his feet. And I want you to get on this last point. Jesus is intimately involved, compassionate, and caring. Available, accessible, saves by grace through faith. And he's intimately involved and compassionate and caring. Do you know why he said, who touched me? Because he wasn't just about healing this woman of her bleeding. He says, who touched me? And she says, whoa. How does he know someone touched him? See, she, she knew who Jesus was, kind of. She knew that he could heal her. She trusted that he could heal her. But she didn't fully understand who it was. She thought all you had to do was touch his robe. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Jesus is going to say, daughter. He says, let me explain. You know, there's a conversation that takes place here. And I'll unpack next week how, how you know there's a conversation not recorded in Scripture. But there's some time. And he's teaching her and he's teaching the crowd. But he calls her forward and she fell down in fear and trembling. Do you know what that's all about? It's called corporate, corporate terror. It's called holy terror. Corporate terror is what now. It's called holy terror. She recognizes this is not just some guy with power. This is Messiah. This is God. He knew I touched him and I know who he is because of the gift of faith he gave to me. You ever read Judges 13, you know, about Manoah? You say, who's that guy? I had a strong kid that knocked down a building. I'll let you read Judges 13. He and his wife fell on their faces to the ground with holy terror. Guess why? They saw something scary. It's called God. Do you ever read Ezekiel 1? Holy terror. Isaiah 6, holy terror. When you find yourself in a boat with God and he calms the storm, great fear comes upon you. Jesus isn't our homeboy. Jesus is God. He's available. He's accessible. He's loving and compassionate. But he is dangerous. This woman is before God with all of her sin exposed and she hits the deck because that's what you do in the presence of God. Jews don't bow down to anyone. Don't miss this. Jews don't bow down to anyone. They will die rather than bow down. What's the position of this lady? She fell down before him. All of a sudden, screwy, superstitious faith blew up into saving faith. Why? Because God revealed to her by grace, what's that word? Through faith, who he was. Jesus could have kept trucking. Guys, we got a girl about to die. He's got to get going where they cannot delay. Let's go. And he stops and he says to her, who touched me? She came in fear. She fell down and she told him the whole truth. Part of that is, I am unclean and I touched you. And you know, he said, daughter, you are clean. I touched you. I'm dirty. I snuck up. I came. I bumped the whole stinking crowd, Jesus. They're all dirty, but I'm desperate. Look what he says to her. You dirty, filthy woman. Don't you understand your place in society? No, I might have a bad translation. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed 
of your disease. He calls her daughter. He says, your family. This is not a normal expression. You know, I grew up in high school where there were certain expressions used to, to identify family names, to identify friends, casual terms. He's not saying, hey, daughter. Mm. He's saying, daughter, family. Then he doesn't just say, you know, when I close with a benediction, I'll say, go in peace, serve the Lord. And I mean that. Through Christ, we can go in peace. But Christ says to an unclean, outcast, sick woman who just touched God and made him unclean, daughter, term of endearment, your faith, which is a gift of God, has made you well. Go in peace. Peace. What do you mean peace? Peace. What kind of peace? Peace with God. The lady came to Jesus because she was sick and desperate and hopeless. Jesus healed her of that sickness. But so much more. So he could have healed her and she could have gone to hell for eternity. Thanks, Jesus. Had a good run for another couple decades. But he healed her physically. So gracious. And even more so, more important, he healed her spiritually. So that she became a daughter of God. And he says, go in peace. What do I want you to get from this? First thing I want you to get, Jesus is available and accessible. Listen, I don't know your hearts. Maybe you've been bumping into Jesus for decades. Maybe you've never heard of him before. God today is available and accessible. And that will not always be the case. You see, when Jesus comes back or when you die, God is no longer available and accessible to you apart from Christ. And you can't come to faith after you die. If you have been bumping into Jesus and hanging out at church or showing up sometimes and you haven't yet trusted in Christ, today you should trust in Him while He is available and accessible. You don't need more evidence. You need faith. And if you ask God for faith, He will give you faith. Jesus is God come to save. He is available and accessible. Don't presume on the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience. Romans 2.4 tells us those come, that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. God loves you. And God has made himself available and accessible through Christ. Your job isn't to bump into him. It's to trust into him by grace, through faith. Saved folks. We should live like saved folks. God is available and accessible. He is present. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But sometimes we cry out, God, where have you gone? Do not live by sight, live by faith. He is here. He is with us. He is still accessible and available. Faith. Through faith. I'm not going to beat that again. Let me make one point about a doctor. I'm not, I'm not knocking doctors. That's not what this text is doing. I appreciate doctors. I appreciate pathology and, and medicine and understanding of disease very much so. But put doctor in quotes and we'll use it in place of idols. We all are born with an inner sickness, don't we? An inner blood problem. It's called sin. And sin messes us up and it makes us hopeless and helpless. And we pursue the world's doctors and we peddle the wear. We buy the wares of the doctors at great cost thinking that if we get this cure, we'll feel good. If we get this cure, that we'll have what we need. We look to money, reputation, acceptance, relationships, vocation, family, you name it. I want security, comfort, joy, help me, give me, the world, give me. Kids will make me happy. My job will make me happy. My spouse will make me happy. My money will... 
And you know what we end up as? Poor and worse off. You think, well, if I had another zero in the bank account, it ain't going to help. If I had another friend, it ain't going to help. You need the Lord Jesus. So my point, my friends, is hmm, don't go to the doctors of this world for your cure because you'll end up like the lady in poverty and worse off than when you started. You go to the great physician who can give you peace, joy, love, acceptance, security, comfort, and on and on and on because he loves you and cares for you and is powerful and is accessible and is available. Now for us who are Christians, why are we still going to the doctors of the world at times, huh? We do that, don't we? We think, well, God, I know what you say, but, but no buts. My dad, when I grew up, I used to have this expression, drove him crazy. Yeah, but. You guys ever use that? Yeah, but. We use it with God. My dad would say, go do this. Yeah, but. What do you do to your sister? Yeah, but. Oh, you drive him crazy. Still to this day, when he comes in here, watch, I'll do it. He'll turn beet red. Well, we do that to God. God says, go and do that. Yeah, but. God says, give to me. Yeah, but. God says, I want that. Yeah, but. No yeah, buts. God knows perfectly what we need. And he came not to give us misery, but to give us joy and abundant life. Don't seek the doctors of this world for a cure or for fulfillment and meeting the desires of your heart. Seek the Lord Jesus alone. Know that he cares for you. Place your trust in him and be healed. So for those of us who know Christ, marvel under the truth that he is available and accessible. Marvel under the truth. You want to strengthen your faith. Don't try to strengthen your faith. Focus on Christ more fully. Obey Him. You don't say, I'm going to obey Him to get stronger. You say, I'm going to obey Him to get to know Him better. And your faith will grow. But your faith grows by His power. We're saved by grace through faith. All you have to do is jump onto the ice, if you will, and trust. Understand God's love and mercy is immeasurable. How often do we find that what we ask God for pales in comparison to what he wants to give us? Our job is to trust. Our job is to obey. And what we find each and every time is what Christ will give to us is so much more than our silly little fallen minds can comprehend. We didn't make it all the way through. But we got a guy named J. Iris with a 12-year-old girl who's about to die. We got Jesus who just stopped in the middle of a crowd when he needed to get moving to talk with an outcast, ostracized lady. One lady amongst 10,000? Come on! The Lord Jesus knows what he's doing. Now next week, I'm going to ruin it for you by telling you something before we get there. Next we got a dead little girl. Are we going to sue Jesus for malpractice? Did Jesus delay and mess something up? Well, I don't know. We'll talk about that next time. But this time, where I want to stop is, the Lord is magnificently available, accessible, loving, and gracious. And we can all come to him, Jew and Gentile alike, by grace, through faith. Now, what we're going to do today is come to the Lord by grace, through faith. Jesus calls us, commands us to partake of communion. He puts a pretty strict requirement on who can come to the table. The first measure is you must be saved. You must not bump into Jesus only. You must abide in Christ, and you do that by grace through faith. 
Do you know how long you have to be in a right relationship with Jesus to take communion? You just have to have one. He also tells us that we shouldn't come in an unworthy manner as believers. If you're harboring sin in your heart, if you have resentment towards someone else, especially in the body of believers here, you don't want to come forward in that manner. Apart from that, all are welcome. And as we come forward, I would encourage you to, to rejoice in and reflect upon and be nourished spiritually by the Holy Spirit in the fact that our Lord Jesus lived as one of us. He became a person and lived the perfect life we couldn't in our place. He died and shed his blood, the Bible tells us, for the remission of sin. By the shedding of his blood, we are saved. He lived the perfect life we couldn't. He paid the price for our sin. And now he tells us that he lives in us. We are dead and we live in Christ. So as an act of obedience, as an act of remembrance, with a, with a foundation of the Passover Seder, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we come forward and partake and are spiritually nourished in the reality of the fact that our Lord Jesus lived the perfect life, died his death, and today is risen, seated at the right hand of God. Now the way we do this, we're going to come forward in the center. You're going to take the elements. You're going to go back on the outside. You go back to your seat. And it is time for you to be with God in prayer. And as you are, a, as you are ready, you partake of the elements individually. We'll have time for prayer and reflection. And then I'll close with a benediction. So let's pray. And then I would invite those of you who are proper to come forward to come and partake. Lord Jesus, gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love, please help your word become truth. Please help it not just be fact. Help it to be facts that cause us to live. Hmm. Lord, we just praise you that you are available and accessible to unclean people. We praise you for the fact that you chose us, Father, that you drew us to yourself that you gave us the gift of faith so that we could believe. Lord Jesus, you are the great physician. You've given us wise men and women to serve as doctors in this world. They can do marvelous things with the minds you've given them and the tools that you've entrusted to them, but only you can heal. Please heal us, Lord. Please create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us. Strengthen us as we partake of your supper. Knit us closer together as brothers and sisters in Christ and help us to understand more fully what it means that you say to us, daughter or son, go in peace. Lord, we praise you. We adore you. We thank you. And we acknowledge our words are pathetically short of what it is that we should say. But we know that our faith rests not in our words or our actions, but in your finished work, Lord Jesus. It is in your name that we pray. Amen.